Yeah, we had a, 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 a good vacation. The, the kids had a great time, and Jackie and I were busy, so it was a good vacation. And uh, we got back, and we came back to all kinds of car trouble. I don't know what, what it was, but um, first, the, my car, uh, the battery was dead. Somebody gifted me with the uh, blessing of leaving the interior light on inside my car while, while we left. I don't know how that happened. I never do that, but there it was. And so we had a dead battery. Fortunately, um, there are things that will resurrect those. And so that came back, and then a tire was leaking. And then I think it was Thursday. Can I get the next slide here? I got a phone call from Jackie in the afternoon to let me know that... um, Oh, I can do it. There we go. Maybe I can do it too. That our dog Amiga had managed to lock Jackie out of the running van. (laughs) This is our dog Amiga. She weighs about as much as two toilet paper rolls. And that's a very apt analogy for how I felt at the moment. Um, And Jackie felt, I guess, sad for her because she got left alone or something. So she came along for the ride, and Jackie closed the the door of the van, and Amiga went to go and look out the window, I guess, and hit the automatic lock button. And so... uh, we decided that I would come to where she was and just see what we could do because if you can lock the door with a, a long-haired chihuahua, you should be able to unlock the door with a long-haired chihuahua. And so we were going to come and you know, offer treats and try to bribe to get her to dance in the right place. And so uh, I was kind of um, just driving over there, just laughing. And uh, you know, Jackie, I think, predictably felt a little bad, but um, the point of making money is to rescue people from their dogs locking them out of vans. That is the point of money, right? Like you earn so you can pay somebody who knows to open vans. That's why you make money for cases like that. And so I was just kind of laughing on the way over and and I drove up onto the driveway of where Jackie was supposed to be picking up Josh from a birthday party. So there was a a bit of a crowd of moms who were picking up people there and uh, got out of the car and was just walking up the driveway and this lady that we knew was trying to get the dog to do something and all of a sudden she's like the window and she runs over to the other side and unlocked the van because Amiga had found one of the automatic buttons to roll down the window so I was just cheering and just saying good job Amiga you just saved your own life and saying (laughs) stuff like that and uh and so it was just really funny, and Jackie was kind of relieved, and and you know that that reminds me of a of a of a saying that when dog shuts a door, she always opens a window. <laughs> Nobody, come on, C- come on. I was really working on that one. And yeah, I was just laughing the rest of the day, just like nonstop laughing, because I, I, I had been feeling pretty discouraged the last couple of days before that happened, and I'd, I'd just been asking the Lord, Lord, would you just do something to, uh, to remind me that you're there? And just the timing of coming onto the driveway and that being when the window opens and, and kind of having this dog whose brain is a lot smaller than your pinky fingernail be able to do what we needed her to do. Uh, I just, it just was like, yeah, God's in control. God's around. He's in control, even over the little things. And uh, it was a nice little pick-me-up because God's really been working on my heart to do with um, relationships. And 
if God's ever working on you with relationships, they can be really great times, but they can also be really hard times because I don't know if you've noticed, but it's hard to change. Amen. Anybody ever noticed that before? It can be hard to change. And so when, uh, when God says it's time to work on something, it, it's not always the most encouraging time of your life, so it can be a really good time of your life as well. She is pretty cute. And that's good. And, and a little bit round around the stomach. What's this all leading towards? Um, We have been working for a long time through the Ten Commandments. You may remember this. We took a little break, but we've been working through the Ten Commandments. And the last time I spoke on the Ten Commandments, we were in Exodus 20, verse 12, where the Word of God says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving to you. And that is also from the book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul picks up those exact words and says, This still applies to you, Christians. Children, honor your mother and your father so that God can bless you in the land. And what I want to do today is I want to say, though this, this, this command really um, is talking to three different kinds of people, and they're right there, moms and fathers, and then in the your is the kids. And that pretty much covers everybody, doesn't it? You're either a father, you're a mother, or you're somebody's kid. And this command specifically is talking about the giving of honor to the parents from the kids, but really this is God's gateway command into the fact that God is the Lord over all family relationships. This is what he's doing. When he says, I'm commanding this thing, he has many other commands about this stuff, but what he's saying to us is, I am the Lord over how I want people to relate to each other in families. And that includes physical families, adoptive families, foster families, spiritual families, work families. When people are living day-to-day lives, God is saying, I am the Lord over how I want you to live together. Amen? Anybody nervous yet? So for the next few weeks, I am planning, whenever I'm up here, to be talking about relationships, family relationships, how to do life together. And this is really important to me, and I think to you as well. Why is that true? Well, I think many of us would admit that um, our familial relationships, physical families, adoptive families, foster families, spiritual families, are really, really, really impactful in our lives. In fact, they usually are, are our life. And everything else is serving that. What do I mean by that? I think many people who have spent their lives making lots and lots of money, but having their families fall apart in the meantime, would later on in life say, I would trade all the money so that I could get back what got missed relationally. Most people would say that. I'm not saying everybody would. But we even make movies about that called, like, It's a Wonderful Life and The Christmas Story and stuff like that, like... If only we could go back and trade the wealth we got for the relationships we lost. Those core ones, family ones, spiritual family ones. They're really, really important. And our relationships often really determine whether or not we're happy or sad, whether or not we're um, encouraged or discouraged. Um, These are really important, aren't they? And they're important to the faith. How are we doing in our marriages, how we're doing with our kids, how we're doing as a church, they really are the sign of how we're doing or not. And so it's important to talk about it. And I want to have a really 
um, realistic, do my best to have a realistic view of relationships. Um, they're mostly hard. Amen? Let's just, say, let's, let's just own it. Except for parenting. Marriage is hard. Parenting, schmeezy. Just like, just grease, butter, f- moving around the frying pan. It's just so smooth. No problems at all. Right? No. Pretty much relationships are the hardest thing you'll do. Or don't do. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. Everyone's going to have a chance to feel like they just got nicked. And I'm ahead of you in this or with you or behind you somewhere in there. But it's just tough. And so this is my mind. You can sometimes wonder if I actually have one or use it ever, but I do. And this is my mind. I want to start off with a baseline scripture command for us that each one of us is called to employ as we are in relationship and as we're working on relationships. This is what I want to do. And this command comes from Galatians 6.1. Here is a command for every single person that lets us know what God wants us to do in our relationships and what will really help us as we're in relationship. Galatians 6.1 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spiritual spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. But mostly focusing on that first sentence. Brothers, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And what Paul is trying to get his church in Galatia and all the churches who read this letter afterwards, what he's trying to get them to do is to get them to be guardians of fellowship. What do I mean by that? Fellowship is a Greek word koinonia, and it's it's that sense of like when relationship's sweet, when you feel like you're on the same team, when you're working together, where there's an absence of bitterness, an absence of anger, an absence of um, that ice that can be in the room when things aren't working on, you know, two people in the room. And, and all the, if you just wrote down what they say, it would sound like a fine transcription of a room, but everybody in that room knows there's something missing. That's fellowship that's missing. And fellowship is that thing where you're feeling like we're in it together and we're working together and we're at peace and we can be ourselves as we're following the Lord. And that's what Paul wants to guard, the sense of the church working together and being together. And he gives them this command. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him or her, obviously, in a spirit of gentleness. And if we do that, we're attempting to build up and guard our gentleness. Okay. I'm going to click here. There we go. Oops. Small formatting error, but you have to be gentle with me about it. God's call for addressing relational problems holds together both restoration and gentleness. If you wonder what I'm talking about today, this is what I'm talking about. Whenever you're in relationship or whenever you're in a relational issue, God wants us to both be aiming for restoration, which means change, good change, and holding on to Holy Spirit Jesus Christ imitating gentleness. Because usually we fall off the fence or veer off the road in one of those two ways. Either losing the restoration, the aim for restoration, or losing the gentleness. So here's four types of people in relational problems. Maybe this is you. Maybe it's just all me. Asterisk, true. Maybe this isn't you. You can just enjoy how we can go wrong when there's relational problems, when there's transgression, stuff like this. Some of us can be a brick wall. 
something goes wrong, and it's like, I'm not going to deal with it. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you've experienced it. it. Working with somebody who's the brick wall. I just don't want to participate. Something's going wrong. There's been a blow up. There's been a meltdown. There's been a crash. There's been um, spending that wasn't in the budget and that's going to really throw things off. I just don't want to deal with it. And it feels like you are talking to a brick wall. Or if you're the brick wall, it feels like you're hardening your heart. I don't want to talk about it. don't want to deal with it. I don't want to be... I'm just... No, no. Let's just... Let's... Brick wall people sometimes really like television. Brick wall people sometimes really like their phone. Brick wall people sometimes really like their man cave or their garage. Brick wall people sometimes really like going for therapeutic shopping trips. I'm not sure. I'm just throwing stuff out there. But just not wanting to deal with it. And the answer is no. And, and goodbye. Sometimes people are relational ninjas. See, that, that was an easy picture to get up there. It says smoke bomb on there. Ninjas are masters of disguise. Ninjas are masters of um, deception. Ninjas are masters of disappearing. And so where the brick wall person is usually there and just like saying, I don't want to deal with this, the ninja um, gives the appearance of maybe wanting to deal with it, but they're not really there. You're like, can we talk about this? And they're like, sure. And they say, can, can, we, can we talk about this issue? Sure. No, there's no issue. No, no, no. It's just, uh, no, there's no issue. What do you mean the issue? There's no issue. You're bleeding from your jugular. No, I'm not. Smoke bomb, out of here. It can happen. Are you fine? Sure, I'm fine. Then how come you're, you've got two black eyes? I'm fine. Uh, people who fall into being a relational ninja sometimes, they're not, they, don't, they don't believe in restoration when there's a problem. They sometimes believe in deception, hiding, lying, not dealing with it. Brickwell people don't believe in restoration because they just don't want to deal with it. And so no and no, and the answer is no, and the answer is no. But ninja people, they, the, the struggle there is that um, ninjas don't always know that they're ninja-ing. Sometimes ninjas think that they're just solving the problem by not dealing with it. And this is their idea of, I'm just going to show love by not dealing with this problem. And I'm just going to say there isn't one. But if there is one, there is one. And, and the call of God is to have problems restored, not ignored. Amen? Or to have restoration problems, pro- processes walked through and not stop signed. So here's a way you can evaluate it. Um, a Christian couple should be able to talk to each other about anything. There's a general rule. A wife should be able to talk to her husband about anything. A husband should be able to talk to his wife about anything. And if there's... Okay. You might want to ask why. Why is there the brick wall? Why is there the deception? Or, won't, or just saying everything's fine when it obviously isn't. What's going on there? On the other side of the fence, sometimes we can be people who really do uh, want to deal with things, but we just don't have any concept of gentleness in doing it. So sometimes we can be the volcano. Anybody know volcano? The volcano. Okay, somebody who's been a volcano knows a volcano. Um, Greg and Michelle went and saw a volcano not too long ago, and it was kind of interesting and fun and a good thing to view in Hawaii. And then like two weeks after they left, it blew up. Rivers of lava mowing through people's houses and cars and spewing flaming magma, which like hit people and hurt them. 
The thing about the volcano is that most of the time they, they, they seem fine. They seem, they're just a mountain. And who wouldn't want to live on a mountain, right? The view, the clean air, and then every few years it explodes and destroys everything in its path. That's the volcano part. And sometimes volcanoes can think, I'm calm, I'm a calm person, I'm fine. It's just every two weeks that I explode and yell at everybody. But I'm actually a calm person, I'm totally fine. It's just every two weeks that I explode and yell at everybody. That's the volcano part. It's intermittent, the, the explosions happen, and it's like, the problem is that there's an issue that's not being dealt with. And when it comes out, there's no gentleness, and so the issue doesn't get dealt with. Amen? Some people get fall into the role of being the prison guard or sniper. I think this is a women's prison somewhere, and here's this guard, just letting everybody know that they've got that gun. And sometimes people can believe in restoration. They don't believe in rest, gentleness. And what they, what they get stuck in, or what I can get stuck in, is like you just point out everything that goes wrong. You see one, one of the prisoners, oh, they're, see that's, you're not supposed to be there. And you take a warning shot at them. And then, oh, they're really up against a fence, and this isn't a warning shot. And, and you just feel like your job is to let the other person know everything they're doing wrong, or just lots of it. Because you believe in restoration, right? You believe in addressing stuff. You want to deal with stuff right away, and so if you just would stop being an idiot, everything would be better. But there's an absence of, like, Holy Spirit gentleness. And you might, you could just ask yourself, which side do I tend to fall on? Do, am I an avoider? I don't want to deal with it. Or I do want to deal with it, but I, I just, people don't want to be dealt with with me because of a lack of gentleness. And the simple thing I'm saying this morning is that God calls us to hear the command from Scripture. If anyone is stuck in a transgression, if somebody needs help, you who are spiritual, restore them, intervene, talk, be in relationships, say something, do something, so that they are restored. And as you do it, do it with the Holy Spirit's gift of gentleness. Why do we get commanded this? I think it's always good whenever you're dealing with a command of Scripture to kind of think about the because. Because there's a because behind every command. Because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. No, 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 no. That is often the reason. Why does God call us to want to seek the restoration of brothers in the spirit of gentleness? Because Jesus Christ wants to seek our restoration. And when he does it, he does it in a spirit of gentleness. Now, if you're like me, you sometimes might think God doesn't always feel gentle when he's dealing with stuff. I have thought that. As I was working on this message, God, are you actually always gentle when you're working on the restoration of your children? And then I thought to myself, God has shown that he is able to flood the entire world when, when there's a problem, and he's also shown that he can make hail that burns land on a city when there's a problem. So anything less than that is God holding back. Amen? Right? And so if we just look at our lives and be like, yeah, okay, there was a problem, but... It wasn't like flaming fire from heaven destroying all of Steinbeck. There's a sign that he's being gentle with us. And often he's so gentle, we, it takes us a while to notice he's working on us about something. But all, what I'm trying to say is this. This is the truth of who God is. Wherever you're at, whatever buttons are being pressed, whatever relational stuff is feeling painful right now, Jesus Christ died for your sins as you believe in him. 
and is raised from the dead to be your shepherd every single day. And whatever he's working on in you, his heart is for your restoration. His heart is for you to get put together the way you were meant to be put together. His heart is to not take your flooded out basement and blow up the entire house, but to get into your basement and be like, oh, there's some rats in here and some cockroaches. We're going to clean the whole thing out. And then we're going to put in some nice underlay and maybe some hardwood. And we're going to paint the walls. And you need we're going to get a nice TV. And did you ever think about putting a sauna in here? He's, his desire is to restore you to who you are meant to be be and his method of doing this is with humble gentleness because jesus knows exactly what it's like to suffer and so if you're hurting that is not something he does lightly or allows lightly he knows exactly what suffering feels like relational suffering being rejected even by his mom physical suffering on the cross he knows exactly what hurting feels like and so if you're hurting he has allowed that or willed that purposefully and not flippantly and it is for your restoration and your good he is dealing with us with humble gentleness and so the word of god says be like jesus with each other and have that same attitude so how do we do this if anyone is caught in a transgression you who are spiritual restore him in a spirit of gentleness Number one, what we can do to apply this is to adopt this for our own standard, right? It's really easy to hear a command, especially in a relationship, and be like, see, you're supposed to help restore me with gentleness. To which you say, stop hitting the dog. She's so tiny. She can't defend herself. So you start and you say, This is what I've been doing. You just come before the Lord and say, God, whatever is going on, your expectation, your standard for me is that I would seek restoration for people, especially my family, with a spirit of gentleness. And it's my job to check my heart, whether I'm just ignoring because I don't care if they get free or get better, or if I'm giving into something that would not be described as gentleness in the sight of God. This is my job. This is my job. This is my job. In my marriage, my job is to see my spouse restored in the sight of God using the spirit of gentleness. When something goes wrong, when they're caught in something, when they're saying something that's obviously not helpful, if they're spazzing, not that my wife ever spazzes, but I'm channeling the voice of Jackie Belfour at this moment, if they're melting down, if they're flipping out, if they're whatever, God's expectation, his standard, is to want to help And not just point out what's wrong. And to do it in a spirit of gentleness. And what that means is, if if we have an interaction, we work through something, if I can look back and be like, that wasn't very gentle, I have to apologize. I could have been right. It happens once every five, seven, ten. Has it happened yet? Okay. Okay, apparently it's happened at least once. But if I wasn't aiming for restoration... Or if I wasn't gentle, you can be right and wrong at the same time. This is God's standard. You have to apologize. You have to say, you know what? I, I, I think there was some truth there, but I was not gracious in my speech. And I repent and I apologize because I'm held to God's standard, not just my own. 
The other thing is this, we ought to check our hearts because we can be wanting people to change. But we can want people to change, whether it's a spouse or children or whatever, out of irritation. What you're doing is not helping me have a calm mind while I'm trying to put together this thing that broke. You can do it out of revenge. You hurt me, and so I'm saying hurtful things back. You could do it out of venting. I'm just really stressed, and so you're in the room here, so blah. You can do it out of defensiveness, uh, feeling threatened, so you start defending yourself. Um, None of these are seeking someone's restoration in a spirit of gentleness, even if you're right. And so you could say right things because you're irritated. Child, you should not be shooting that gun inside of the house because I'm really irritated about the hole you just left in the ceiling. That is not the same as you're not actually being discipled in how to be a Christian. You're not going to actually grow up to be a follower of Christ if you keep discharging firearms inside of your house. That's a totally different motivation. Wanting to see someone become who they're supposed to be in Christ and not just, I'm irritated with you. And so if you're saying the right things and doing the right things out of irritation, you still probably owe personal apology. You know what? I, I repent. I, you didn't notice, but I was actually just venting. We do this also by looking to help from the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't think, you know, this whole wanting people to get restored in a spirit of gentleness, I I am not sure I'm going to be able to pull this off for quite a while. Because usually I I avoid the restoring part. And then when I think it's time to do the restoring, the gentleness is kind of hard to come by. So I'm I'm looking to the Spirit of God for grace, and I'm also prepared just to keep repenting. (laughs) If you're going to be a Christian, you've got to be ready to say sorry a lot. Okay, so somebody had a birthday party on Friday, and then Saturday morning I made my apology phone calls. Because it's just the life, right? Because it's not about what the other person does first. It's about, who am I following Jesus in my heart first? In my marriage, in my relationships, at church? Looking to the Holy Spirit to change us where we can't, admitting we can't do it on our own, surrendering to Him and just being led, and walking this all out in relationship. This is the great thing about relationship. You're not alone. You can tell, like, I'm really bad at this. Can we pray together? And I want to be able to admit when I've done it. All right. Here's the truth. Every single one of us would love to be restored in gentleness for the rest of our lives. Amen? And the call is, you do that first. That's, that's, that's our responsibility. To love our neighbors, we'd want to be loved by ourselves. And so this is what I would like to ask. As you're in a marriage, as you're a parent, as you're living on your own but have a roommate, as you're in relationships with brothers and sisters, I want you to ask yourself the question, do I usually forget to seek someone's restoration when there's a problem by avoiding it? Or do I usually forget to be gentle? And then, as you're brave, why don't you ask that other person that you're most close to, where do I usually fall off the fence here? 
And then do your very best to humbly receive whatever response you get. And let's bring it to the Lord. I think in the coming weeks and months, God is going to be bringing up lots of relational stuff for us to deal with. And I'm starting with this. Our job is to genuinely want to see each other restored in our marriages, in our church. And our call is to deal with each other in spirit-led gentleness. That's, that's the baseline. Let's, can we all agree that that is God's will? You don't have to nod your head now. couple more minutes just to just to touch it from my heart uh, this really will change your life this really will change your life each person here who's listening to me is a major influencer in all their relationships especially if you're married especially if you're a parent you're a major influencer on how things are going we're, we're not the victims most of the time sometimes we are Sometimes really godly people are in the worst situation and it's like 99.99% not their fault. That does happen. But each one of us has a ton of influence over how our relationships are going. And if we'll start here, believing that Jesus does forgive all of our sins, we're not trying to earn anything, we're not trying to prove anything, we're trying to listen to the wisdom of God and what he's called us to to believe that as much as sometimes you look at your heart and you're like, that's never going to change. That's not true. The hardest part of changing us has already happened when we were born again by the Spirit of God. Everything else is easier. It's just usually more painful. Your life really will change. It's just going to be hard. But at the same time, your relationships are already hard. You told me that at the beginning. Either you laughed or you nodded. It's already hard. But let's just hear the, the God who wants our restoration and is committed to dealing with us gently wants us to learn how to do that with each other in better and better ways. Amen? Why don't we pray? Father, I just thank you. I thank you so much for your high standards. God, sometimes I'm just so blown away by what you actually call me to do. But I thank you, Lord, that as I see and don't argue with what you actually call me to do, we get to go through this sweet process of restoration. Seeing what's not working, seeing what doesn't please you, bringing it to the cross, finding out you do love and you do forgive and you're not running away, experiencing your gentleness and your tenderness through the Holy Spirit, than being a changed person. Father, I pray you'd help each one of us to lay hold of this awesome call in our relationships to want to guard fellowship and to do it by seeking the other person's good and their restoration with the spirit of, of uh, gentleness and humility. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Rob. Let's respond in worship uh, and just let those words...